The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to SWOutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hello? 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 Hola. Como estas, amigos? Es la hora para empezar. See? So we're going to get started. And... Uh, what I, want to, what I want to accomplish are a couple of things. One is I want to challenge us to continue to grow and study, right? We, are, we have been given God's word, and those of us who are investing in students, we need to be the ones who are teaching them God's word, and, and then in addition to that, teaching them theological categories to understand God's word better. Now, what's, what's funny is for a long time, we would have... Uh, staff work here in the summer and then they'd stay and be here uh, during the year and we, had, we realized after a couple rounds of having staff stay here through the year and they'd be here for a couple years and they went off and were student pastors somewhere and then we'd get a ton of phone calls after they were in student ministry and they would call me and they're like, okay, now kids are asking me this. What do I need to tell them? Or how do I approach this? And it's because they had been in good Christian community. They'd been in a ministry where people are like investing in them, constantly preaching the gospel, but they didn't have theological categories to be able to do a lot of like everyday ministry. They could teach people to go through a Bible study, but they didn't have these theological categories. So here we decided to start just teaching classes to our college students. And it's been awesome. It's grown into a really cool program where we, I think we talked about it yesterday anyway, where now our staff who are here during the year, they can enroll and take real college classes where we'll go through church history and we go through theology and we go through different books of the Bible and go through how to teach the Bible, right? How to study and how to teach the Bible. So the first thing I want to do is I want to challenge us with the priority of being able to understand and teach God's word. I'm going to read a couple passages um, um, two out of Second Timothy and one out of Second Peter, right? In Second Timothy two, uh, this is the passage that Rob mentioned this morning. He says, Second uh, Timothy two fifteen, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now let's remember. So this is Paul writing to Timothy, who is a young pastor who has actually been left there to train pastors and to establish pastors where he's at, and he's telling him that you need to do your best to be a worker who's not ashamed. And then the reason why you can you're not ashamed is if you're rightly handling the word of truth. And then he says, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, and they're unsettling the, unsettling the faith of some. Right, so he's saying, Timothy, you need to make sure that you're able to understand God's word and rightly divide it. Right, this, that we have been given communication from the creator of the universe. He's recorded it for us in a language that we can understand and we need to be the ones who are doing our best to be able to understand it so well that we can be the ones who are teaching it because if we're not teaching it well, right, if, if we're teaching it well, that will lead to a good theology. If we don't teach it well, then it's gonna lead to people who have a poor theology who are gonna turn people away from the truth. I mean, that's heavy right? This is a big deal. So those of us who are in ministry, specifically, who have the ability to disciple young image bearers of God, right? We need to be making sure that we're prioritizing God's word and not just saying, you guys need to read your Bible and love it, but we need to be teaching it well. We, we need to be doing hard work because it is hard. 
because the implications are that we are turning people away from the gospel by teaching the Bible incorrectly. That's a big deal. In 2 Timothy 3.10, he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them, from the all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, right? He's promising, just like what Jamie was talking about last night, I'm promising that we're gonna, we're gonna have suffering and persecution and we, sh- we should be ready for that. And man, I loved hearing Jamie uh, share about this, right? Because what's supposed to hold us tight is God's word, right? He was talking about when there's persecution, when there's suffering, we need to have an answer for our hope. We need to be able to articulate what it is that we believe to a lost and dying world, especially when we are being persecuted. And we need to be preparing those young people who God has given us like a, a type of stewardship over, we need to prepare them to also be, to be able to articulate what they believe well. Right, all right, so one more, and then we're gonna, I wanna get, uh, just as, I wanna lay the foundation that we need to have, we need to be drawn to God's word. We need to be, we need to love God's word, we need to study God's word, and we need to be the example for those who follow us on how they need to be studying God's word as well, right? That's, a, that's huge. If you think about your life, like what if the students who are in your ministry are spending the same amount of time studying God's word as you are? Would that be good or bad? Well, that's day to day to think through, right? Um, look at what second. What do we have in Second Peter in one sixteen? This is also in a context where he's combating false teachers, false teachers that are in the church who are masquerading as teachers and preachers of God's word. He says, "For we did not follow." cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, which this is crazy because Peter is talking about being on the Mount of Transfiguration, which is pretty cool, and uh, I wasn't there, but I would have loved to have been. Now, listen to what he says. This is really cool. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for when he received glory or honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him out of the majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's talking about hearing God's voice out of heaven. Big deal. We ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on that holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. What's he talking about? We have got the word of God. Okay, uh, would you have liked to have been on the Mount of Transfiguration? Yes. Would that have been super confirming to you? Like something to look back on, like, you know what? Sometimes when I'm doubting, I just remember when Jesus was shining with glory and God spoke out of heaven. That's helpful, right? But he says... We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed 
than the transfiguration. <laughs> right, like Peter's saying, it's cool that I was there, but look at what you have. Right, and this is something that we need to treasure. Because even when, when Paul's talking to Peter, he says you've had this from when you were a child. Remember when, when Timothy was a child, he didn't have the New Testament, he just had the Old Testament. And so what we're seeing here is that, especially with the combination, we have the Old Testament laying out thousands of prophecies that we see fulfilled in the New Testament, and we have them. We can look at them. Anytime our, our students are doubting the reality of this, we can say, you have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Pay attention to it. That's what he says, right? He says, you need to pay attention to this as, as, as like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts, knowing this, that first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is what we have that we take, we, we neglect every day. So my first, my first challenge to us as we're, we're talking about continuing to grow and to learn is that we cannot neglect God's word. What we have in the words of Peter who was on the mountain where Jesus shone in glory said you have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, and we have it, right? So this is a big deal. And so for us, how does this, how does this relate to us as we are preachers and teachers and small group leaders? We need to hold in highest esteem the word of God, which then, that means that we need to make sure that we are workmen who are approved, who have no reason to be ashamed. And so how do we have no reason to be ashamed? We need to study God's word. Right, that's, that's, how it, that's how it happens, right? Especially because you guys are dealing with kids who are asking like such difficult questions. And if you can't give them an answer, who is going to give them an answer? And you might be thinking, but I don't know the answer. Which leads me to we need to continue to study. Right, we have to. Now, here's the thing. Um, I talked a little bit about this summer, and I want to expand some practical resources on how we can continue to grow and continue to learn. First, the question is, do you need a formal education? And that, the answer to that question has to do with your, your specific context. So let me ask you some questions on whether or not you need a formal education. Number one is, do you aspire to be in vocational ministry. And what I mean by that is do you have a desire to have your job be working in ministry? If so, then the answer is yes. You need to have a formal education. Now, understand what I'm saying here. I'm not telling you that if you don't have a formal education, you shouldn't be in ministry. I think that is short-sighted and silly to be honest, right? I've, I mean, in fact, you guys know that uh, the guy that we heard preach this morning, uh, Brody, uh, he, has, he almost has a four-year degree, almost. But he's also had over 20 years of daily pouring through scripture, reading theology, studying, listening to sermons. I mean, like, he has 
He has a well-matured understanding of scripture and theology, and he has been practiced in teaching God's word, and he's effective at it, and it helps that he started his own ministry. You know, who's, he hired himself. So that's, that's awesome. But for, for a lot of you, if, you, if you're not starting your own ministry, and to be honest, let's, okay, think about it. If someone has a job, you would want them to have some sort of formal education in that job. You just would, right? Like, I'm just gonna go to the dentist. What did you study in school, you know? Auto mechanics. Oh, cool. Drill away, right? That's not... It, it's counterintuitive, but some people, and it does seem super frustrating because a church will say, and, and it's a, a, oftentimes a church, the easiest way to weed out um, applicants for positions is to say, oh, you don't have a four-year degree or you don't have a seminary education? We're not gonna hire you, so hi- apply somewhere else. Now, I do think that could be short-sighted, and I think it should be done on a more individual basis, but you don't have that opportunity to make that decision. So if you think, yes, I want to be in vocational ministry, then you should get a degree. And you should get a degree and you should continue to get a degree. Or if you need credentials for some reason, okay? Like for instance, I don't know if you know this, but I work at a camp. It's kids camp. It's in Andrews, North Carolina. You guys have heard of it. Um, And it is not necessary to have any type of graduate education to work here. You don't need that. So it was really funny when I had, I I started working here in 2000 and I'd worked maybe four summers and then I decided to go back to school because I don't know about you guys. When I graduated high school, I had put zero thought into college. Zero, none. I decided where I was going to college after I'd graduated because my brother was going to a little school and they told me that I could go to school there for free. And so I thought, I'll do that. I was in like a traveling recruiting team for them. Come to the school. I go here for free. Um, it's a great sales pitch. And, uh, and then when I finished my four-year degree, I thought, I am done with school. I'm never going back. And then four years after that, I decided I was going to go back to school. And it was awesome because then I went and got a master's degree, which is great. And it was funny because I was going to seminary, uh, Southern, the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, and hearing people, people thought I was just an idiot. They're like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to work at a camp. And then they would say, why are you here? <laughs> and, and finally, after a while in conversation, they would say something like, so you're telling me you're getting this degree to keep doing the same job that you already have? And I'm like, yeah, finally, yes. <laughs> well, how's that so hard? But it's awesome because now, because uh, now, when, like I told you, we started this program where we're teaching college students here. Well, because I have a master's degree, there are half a dozen colleges that say, oh, you've got a master's degree, you're teaching these classes, let us see what you're teaching. And when people, if people pass those classes, then they can get credit here. What's well, awesome, well, that would never be able to happen if God hadn't led me to getting these credentials. So if you ever, if you wanna be in vocational ministry, you need a formal education. If you ever need those credentials for anything, like for instance, let's say that you feel like your heart is being drawn overseas and you have a desire for theological education to help train like indigenous pastors all over the world, we know what you would really help you to do that. 
a formal education. Because they're, especially I know that with, um, with the Southern Baptist Convention, they have seminaries all over the world. There's a really big seminary in Kenya that if you want to spend maybe a week or two investing in local pastors, you can do so, but you have to have the credentials. So if you, if you want to be in vocational ministry or if you ever need the credentials, then you need a formal education. Okay, now I'm gonna get a little more personal. If you are not a self-starter and you need forced accountability, then you should get a formal education. The reason for that is if you think, oh look, here are these books. One day, I'd like to read those. And then a year from now you say, hey look, I've got even more books that one day I would like to read. Now, if you actually think, oh, I wanna read those, I want someone to help me, pay money to an institution that requires you to read those and you will feel the burden of reading through those books. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I can think about, I mean, even right now, yeah, you know what it's like, you feel the burden. Right now, I'm spending all of my free time reading and writing. Is that what I want to do with my free time? No, it is not. But it's good because I'm in school and I know that if I don't do this work, then I am not gonna pass. In fact, I have, I'm in one class right now and the professor the first day of class said, um, okay, you're, you, have to, you have to present a research paper to us on a certain day. You will turn it in one week before so that everyone has the, the ability to read your paper beforehand. This is not an exception. It says, if you do not turn your paper in a week before, I will fail you. And we're like, okay. That's awesome. So there's a due date, and I have to due date a week before that or else I fail. Thank you. Um, yeah, would I press myself to write a research paper? No, I wouldn't. So, if, and so I'm talking about me. I am not a self-starter. I need forced accountability. It's good for me to be in a formal education. If, if for you, you think, I said yes to some of those, then you need to think through, okay, where do you need to go? How do you need to do it? You could go you could move and go to a place, that would be more difficult for probably most of you. If you have the ability, if you feel I need a formal education and you have the ability to move to a school where you can go to school like on campus, then you should do that. That is the best way to, to, get, a, to get an education, right? Because if not, I mean, because you have the opportunity to sit in classes with people who have studied this discipline for 20 years. I mean, that's awesome, right? If you, you get to sit in classes where people have written the textbooks that you're studying and they have offices that you can go to and hang out and talk through stuff. If you have the opportunity to go on campus, you should do it. If not, there are good options to do things online. And then it's still good forced accountability. You're still get it, you can still get a good education. You can still earn the credentials that you need. The schools that I personally would say that are the best schools to go to are one, I'm, the one that Jamie is at because that's where I'm going now. It's New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Seminary. There's one in Louisville that I went to before, uh, the Southern Seminary, and there's one in Wake Forest that's got a booth set up, Southeastern. And then other than that, I think Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando is really great, and Covenant Seminary in Kansas City is really great. 
Those are schools that I would 100% wholeheartedly recommend. Um, there are other schools that are out there that are good. These are the ones that I would say, these are great. All right, so if you then say, no, I don't need any of those. I'm a pretty good self-starter. If I get a list of something that I, that I wanna do, I can do it. I don't need credentials and I don't wanna be in vocational ministry. Then now I wanna turn to some really practical things that, that can help you study, study the Bible and theology. All right, um, oh, let me time out first. Um, I meant to say, as, let me give you a warning. As you, as you apply yourself to serious study of God's word and theology, you need to be careful. You need to be careful for some things. One is you need to make sure that you do not turn God's word into a textbook, right? That's a big deal. Don't turn it into a textbook. Don't turn God's word into something that you can master. And don't turn God's word into an idol, right? This is where, for people especially, who get very serious about education and about studying. There is a temptation to turn the Bible into a textbook where you're like, oh man, I've gotta get up, I've gotta study this book because I'm taking this class or I'm pressing myself to do this. You can't do that, right? We're still, God's word is his, I mean, what's Hebrews say? It's living and active, it pierces, right? Dividing the soul, right? This is God, this is still the communication of the creator of the universe to you who's been created in his image, who he wants to restore in that image through his word, right? It's not a textbook, you can't master it, and it itself is not God, right? Don't worship God's word, use God's word to worship the creator, all right? Also, you need to make sure that as you continue to study and grow that you don't, you don't turn people into subjects. What do I mean by that? I mean, don't be like, well, I've been reading this evangelism book, and so I know exactly how I need to treat these non-believers, right? You can't do that. Do you need to read evangelism books? Absolutely. Are they gonna help you um, understand how to communicate better? But everybody is different, right? Don't treat everybody as a subject, either in evangelism or in discipleship. You can't just take somebody, put them in this program, and at the end they're disciples. It, it requires personal investment. Same thing with sharing the gospel, right? So don't turn people into text subjects. All right, and as you continue to grow, um, you need to reject pride right? You cannot allow your knowledge of God's word or of theology to raise your own opinion of yourself. Because if you're studying God's word well, then you will realize that he is even more glorious than you've ever imagined. And your, your role in this is so much smaller, right? If your study of God's word and theology is not increasing your adoration for God, then you are doing something wrong, all right? And then make sure that as you, as you continue to study, make sure that you don't allow yourself to be put on a pedestal or to be put on an island. What I mean by that is don't, be, don't allow yourself to be put on a pedestal where people think, oh, you know, look at them, they're so great at that, they're such a good theologian or Bible teacher, and, and then make a distance between the two of you that's unhealthy and unnatural, and don't allow yourself to be put on an island where people think, oh, I can't talk to them about real things. And especially for a lot of us who grew up in small churches, the pastor got put on an island, and no one felt like they could relate to him, and that destroys them, 
right? And some of you might be in that position now where you feel like you're on an island and no one feels like they can relate to you and you are separated from Christian community. If we're, doing, if we're studying well, if we're doing theological education well, it needs to be done so with really good accountability surrounding us. All right, so now let's move on into super practical stuff. I wanna look at some um, resources um, online, electronically, and then I wanna go through some print resources. All right, so online. One of, the, one of the easiest, most accessible um, Bible study tools online is the Blue Letter Bible, right? They continue to add things to Blue Letter Bible. Um, you can, you, as you go through here, uh, what's really awesome is that they have these help tutorials. So if you wanna get everything you can, look at this. I mean, uh, wh so what Blue Letter Bible does is Blue Letter Bible has both um, other English versions of the Bible and it has the original languages, and it has helps so that you can use the original language as well. And I wanna challenge you with this, the, the original languages are really helpful, right? Because there is a reason that God chose to record his word both in Hebrew and in Greek, but we need to be careful, again, like if you're studying Hebrew and Greek, to not let that be a badge of pride for you, right? One of my favorite professors that I had in school who actually has spent his entire life studying New Testament Greek says that New Testament Greek, he said, your understanding of New Testament Greek is like underwear. We're all really glad you have it, but we don't want to see it. Um, and I think that is so good, right? It is so insightful, so helpful, yes. And I'll say this, I encourage the study of the original languages, and the main reason why I think it's important to study the original languages is it forces you to slow down. It forces, I mean, that's it, you can't, um, unless you're on a different level than I am, right? Reading through a foreign language forces you to think, especially um, Hebrew and Greek, because they are not put together the way that you think they should be put together. I mean, like, you've got, you, with Greek, there's a lot of times with Greek, you read through a whole sentence and then find the verb at the end, and you're like, you could have put this over there, and I wouldn't have looked up all of these things trying to find you, right? I mean, it's like, but what's so good about it is it makes you slow down, and that's why I also encourage using various versions of of English translations because you know even last night when Jamie was uh, he was preaching out of the New King James version but then he referred to the English Standard Version because it, he's and he even said this is another way of translating this right well it's awesome right so think through it because you guys understand this that a translation no translation is going to be completely perfect right because there is what's called a semantic range to each word um, when it's translated into another language and so so read widely of different English versions and take time to try to understand the original languages because it makes, it forces you, forces you to think through everything. The Blue Letter Bible is super helpful in that. You can read, you can, uh, this is just uh, the, the menu that they have where they've got tutorials on how to use it well. It's awesome. It's super great because, again, it has a lot of English translations that you can access for free, and it's got some original language helps that you can also access for free. All right, so next. Oh, yeah, I'm only gonna look at free stuff for right now. I'm gonna look at something that's kind of expensive in a minute. But all right, so then, 
All right, if you do not need credentials, you're a good self-starter, then look, here's some, uh, there's a website that is the best website. It's called biblicaltraining.org. So I want to show you this, biblicaltraining.org. You look, this is just a list of their classes, okay, that they've, they've, got, they've taken these classes from 17 different schools and seminaries, and look, these are just scrolling through, just a bunch of classes, and you can see down here at the bottom. So then they've got a couple different levels of classes, right? So they've got this, and then they've got their, what they call their academy program. These are like undergrad levels, and you can see uh, they've got these here, and then they have their seminary level classes here, where if you went through um, these classes, it would take you 237 hours. Um, and these are, these are guys like uh, Robert Stein. Um, when he's going through biblical hermeneutics, he's going through the book that he wrote called Biblical Hermeneutics. Right, pretty, pretty good source. Uh, Bruce Ware, Bruce Ware has been a, he's been a theologian, uh, worked at, has been preaching and teaching at seminaries for the past 20 years, getting ready to retire. And these are super helpful. And then, um, so they've got, undergrad level classes, they've got institute level classes, these are all for free. They also have, which I think is super helpful, if you do decide, I'd like to study New Testament Greek, well they've got a Greek class on there, and it's, it's a guy named William Mounts, who has written one of the most popular textbooks for seminaries, and he's going through his own book with his own PowerPoint slides. So it's like, I mean, it's, it's so helpful, right? So if you've got an extra 237 hours, you can go through. But here's the thing, like this is someone I want to challenge you with also, is that um, especially if you think I do want a formal education, but right now, all of our lives are super busy. All right, if you say I want a formal education because one day maybe I want to teach, maybe I want to do what I'm doing now and then I want to retire and teach somewhere. Well, great. Then take, do, give yourself a manageable pace. You know, you're not, you don't have to be in a hurry to do anything. And if you're doing it well, then all of the classes that you're taking are going to be equipping you to do what you're doing better, whether it's pastor, student pastor, or small group leader, right? If you're leading a Bible study, taking these classes are gonna help you. These are classes that are for free. All right, move on. I've got two other things online I wanna point out. One of them is Covenant uh, Seminary. Okay, so Covenant Seminary, they have... 45 full-length classes that you can listen to for free. Super cool. Um, there's this one right here. So th here you go. You can see this by me. There's, uh, these, these are 45 different classes over all sorts of different things. So if you click on one of them, you've got this. Let's say you wanted to take ancient and medieval church history. Well, this guy is David Calhoun. I talked about him this summer. He's super cool because he's no, I mean, he passed away years ago, I think. Um, but He's got like this uh, Virginian accent, and it's just like, teach me, you know? Like, I love hearing smart people with Southern accents. Um, but so let's say you wanted to listen, you wanted to go through this, and you had time where you could, you can actually get a, for each one of his classes, the handouts that he gave out in class, the study guide, you've got those. Or if you're like, man, that was really good, I wanna quote some of that, you can just download the transcript and read over it later. So if you want to, you can listen to all of this. Oh, and if Covenant has an app for your phone, I think it's just called Covenant. I can, it looks, it's got, 
Uh, it's got, see the crest up there? It looks, the little shield with the cross on it. And you can, so what I've done in the past is I will download these to my phone, listen to when I'm driving, and then afterwards you can go through and look through the study guide or read through the transcript if you miss something. And they've got 45 seminary classes that you can do that with. Really awesome. And the other one that I think is really helpful is with uh, Reformed Theological Seminary. So Reformed Theological Seminary, hold on, here we go. I'll look at this one first. These are all, these are all just full-length classes that they have that you can go through, right? Some of them, yeah, some of them are conferences, but the one, a lot of these are just classes that you can go through. And so if you, and these are, the way these are, the way you can access these is if you go into a, the podcast store on your phone and you look up Reformed Theological Seminary as the artist, then each one of the classes they've made into its own podcast. It's, this is awesome. Um, and then the, I like that too because I li- I use, if you use the podcast app, then it remembers where you are you know, in the sermon or the, in the lecture. And so this is one that I've gone through that I really enjoy. It's uh, Ron Nash going through like Christian apologetics and he's just got all of, it. you can see all of the episodes. There we go. Oh, maybe not. The internet's not working super great for me, but you could see, you could imagine what would happen if 10 more things showed up. So there we go. Um, there's that. Um, so I think these are, these are super helpful because you really can, if you are going to be self-disciplined, if you're going to put yourself on a plan and give, give yourself accountability, you can get a really good education for free online. I mean, it's awesome. And then um, I think that everybody needs to get a good Bible study program, all right? I be, and I say this because this is, I, I use, the, and I, told, I said this last night, the reason why Accordance is here um, as an exhibitor is because I use this nearly every day. Um, hold on, there we go. All right, let me just show you uh, some ways that, and, and you can do it in a cheap way. I'll say this, there's, a, as far as, um, as far as electronic resources go, electronic resources can be better than paper resources in some ways. Now, I love paper books. I think I, I just like them. I think it's wonderful, right? Now, here's the thing. With, um, and, and it's not on here. I had to borrow Jake's computer because mine decided it wasn't going to talk to the internet. Um, there have, it's, it's a really tenuous relationship right now and my, my computer's in the doghouse. But, uh, and so this isn't, he's, he has it. Let me show you. Yeah, okay, so what's really cool about programs like this, there, a lot of these programs are, are the same, like Logos, BibleWorks, Accordance. I prefer Accordance because it was given to me for free and I've used it for the past 15 years. So other ones, if you're just starting out, other ones are great. Uh, they, they will try, and you, the guy here probably will do the same thing, so he's not in here. Um, they'll try to get you to buy really expensive packages that have, you know, 18 million books on it or something crazy. Um, you don't really, you don't need to do that. Um, I think the, the best way to do this, and this is from the way that I've done this, is that if you just have the basic program, then you can buy specific modules 
which are just different aspects for whatever it is that you want or need. Like I think if you're studying something like a systematic theology, then it's helpful to have an electronic version of that, whether it's in a Kindle or whether it's on Accordance or the Bible study thing, because they're now searchable. Right, because there's a lot of times when you think, man, there's this idea or this verse. I wonder if there's anything in here about that. So, like for instance, um, he's got open here this new Bible. Com- well, let me just show you. Let me show you how I use this. And y- if you want to talk about this later, we can do so. I can even use my own computer, which has m- the stuff that I use the most. So over here, oh, good call, thank you. Over, let me. I can make that bigger. Hold on. I can push this button and it'll make it even bigger. And this one can do it also like that. All right. So over here, this is Greek. And some of you are thinking, looks like Greek to me. I know. Um, (laughs) Right in the park. Okay. Um, uh, Now, you might be thinking, I don't read Greek. Well, you could take three or four days, and you could be able to pronounce everything. But you don't have to because if you get what's called a tagged version of an original language, then it tells you what everything is. Oh, I should make that bigger too. Hold on. Oh, yeah, there we go. I'm just ruining all of Jake's stuff. He's got preferences set on here, and I am changing them. All right, so you might be thinking, okay, yeah, um, I don't know what that is. Okay, that's a particle. It means as, uh, see, oh yeah, this is their little instant details box right down here. So when you scroll across it, it just tells you what everything is. And it, see how it's even highlighting it over on this other side? Super helpful because you're like, I don't read Greek, but I read English. And when I, when I scroll across here, it's highlighting this over there. And then you think, man, that's a weird word. I'd like to know what that means. Okay, it just shows up right over here and it tells you what's going on there. And then you think, well, is that used anymore in the Bible? There's no way to know unless you do this and you can hit this button. You can say, I'd like to search for that. And then it shows up here in a different window where you can see it's used, it's used three times. It's used in Mark uh, 1545. That's what it says there. Or Second Peter, same place we are here. It's used in three and four. I mean, it's awesome. It's super helpful because it's, it's helping you, especially, as, and, and this is a word of caution, especially when you talk about word studies, is that you need to make sure that you're comparing the way that a specific author is using words because just like you and I probably use words differently, the biblical authors did so as well. And there's nothing magical about the Greek language. You can't just say, well, you, in this sermon, I'm gonna say dunamis, and it's gonna be the most powerful sermon ever. No, that's not the case. The goal, again, is to slow down and to think through every word in the Bible. And then it, what, what's super cool is like you, if you have a commentary that you like, then you can get it on here. And so as you're studying here, you can look over at the New Bible commentary and you can see what that commentary says here, right? And commentaries are super helpful. They're not more important than the Bible, but they're helpful because people who have written good commentaries, oh, I should say that too. Um, there's a guy, whenever you're studying a book of the Bible, you need to look up this guy. His name is Tim Challies. This is going to be really helpful for people who, uh, who teach and preach. No internet. You're in the doghouse too. Um, just 
Think about if I'd typed in Tim Challies. Okay, so one, a really cool thing that Tim Challies has done, he is a pastor, he's been a faithful pastor for maybe 15, 20 years, and he's gone through every book of the Bible and has recommended commentaries for each one and has reviews on each one of those commentaries. So if he says, he'll say, here's the best five commentaries on the book of Deuteronomy. Some of these are a little too academic. Some of these are really good for preaching. Some of these are really good for small group stuff. It's awesome. Tim Challies, remember it. All right, so you can turn the lights back on. I'm gonna be done with this. I wanna go through some print stuff real quick that is really helpful. Um, Okay, so these four books, let me look at these four books real quick. Um, these are going to be sitting up here. In fact, um, you guys can fight over these four books because we have extras of these. So uh, Rob said we do like a um, Royal Rumble, Last Man Standing, gets all four. Is that, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We can talk about it, but we have these four we can give away. Um, if you want to, uh, one of the best books at like, you could even take students through is Dan Doriani, Getting the Message. Um, This is a really helpful book on being able to understand what the Bible is saying. Getting the message, it's so good. Because remember, if we're, when we talk about expositional teaching from the Bible, what we mean by that is you are exposing what the Bible is really saying. So that if you're gonna be teaching, if you're gonna teach the Bible, you want the main point of what you're teaching to be the main point that God is trying to get through, right? So getting the message, really helpful. Another really good introduction to like a hermeneutics, that's what it's called, studying the Bible is called hermeneutics, I don't know why, it just is, it's from a different language, Um, is this book here called 40 Questions on Interpreting the Bible. This is awesome. This is broken into 40 different chapters, I know where he answers really good questions, starting foundationally about where did we get the Bible, where did it come from, who wrote it. I mean, really helpful. And then he breaks down, you guys know that the Bible is written in different genres, right? The Bible is written, some of them are like history, some of them are like talking about future things, some of them are prophetic, some of them are gospels, you know, some, so you think, how do I interpret each one of those differently because they're intended to be interpreted differently because they're written in different genres, right? He breaks down each different genre and helps you understand them, which is so helpful, especially like going through the Psalms because a lot of times for Psalms, we just wanna read them devotionally and think I'm really happy or really sad, but he's got really helpful ways for we can break down how do, we, how do we study through to understand what, what Hebrew poetry is like? So these two, super helpful. All right, next, okay, oh man, uh, okay. The next, this book here, Interpreting the Pauline Epistles by a guy named Tom Schreiner is wonderful. It is so good, and I'll tell you why it's so good. It's so good because he does two different ways of approaching the scriptures that again, What's the most important thing? Make you slow down and think through it. The first thing he does is called tracing the argument. And what what tracing the argument does is he will go through a list of relationships between propositions. That sounds super nerdy. Um, The goal is to break down every book, every chapter, every verse into propositions, the smallest, what's, what's it saying? It's saying this one thing, this one thing, this thing, and then he wants to, then the question is, how are they relating to each other? So is it a series of things? Is he saying, you need to put off this and this and this, or is it like an action? 
that he's saying do it in this way or is it an, an idea that requires an explanation or is it an, is an example that's giving a positive and negative, all right? So he'll do that and then he'll do that to the whole uh, New Testament book. And it's so good because what it's making you do, it's forcing you to think where, what's happening with the actual context of this. You know, even like what, what Jamie was talking about last night, you know, he's an apologist, he's a philosopher, and so the word apologia is in 1 Peter 3.15, so the, the, the temptation is to say, see, this is why you need apologetics, and he said, no, not really, not in context, right? The context is people who are suffering for righteousness, who are giving an answer for their hope. It's not you need to make sure you know the cosmological and teleological arguments, right? I thought that was super helpful, right? And how do you know that? Because we're going through the Bible in context and we're relating each, each proposition and how it's relating to each other. The other thing he does is he diagrams sentences. Oh, it is so good. <laughs> Some of us have problems and we love diagramming sentences. Um, and he recommends it. Again, why would you want to diagram a sentence? Well, you're diagramming a sentence so you can see not just what words are being used, because a lot of people, they want to focus on, oh, let's do a word study. This word's used this, 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 and this, so I'm going to preach all of those verses. No, not necessarily, right? He's saying, yeah, it's using this word or this phrase, but it, how is it relating to everything else? And if you are diagramming that, then you get to see a picture and it's super helpful, especially when you're going through New Testament epistles because a lot of times you'll have sentences, right? They're like four or five verses long. And you, by the time you finish reading the verse, you're thinking, I don't remember where we were when we started. You know, and it's like, I just, I wish I could see it. And so for me and Tom, my friend Tom, I call him Tom and he calls me. And what was your name? <laughs> it's this thing we've got going. Uh, it's true. Um, some people are more memorable than others. And, um, but, he, but it's super helpful, um, diagramming sentences, and he'll, he can help you do that. Now, the next book is the most encouraging. What an idiot. That's why I'm not a professional athlete. That's one of the reasons. Okay. Um, the most encouraging and discouraging book you will ever read. If you have a sensitive heart, do not read this book. This book is called Exegetical Fallacies, and it's by a guy named D.A. Carson. And what he does is so good, but it is a pruning, and it's a cutting away of bad habits that we have in teaching the Bible. And it's so good because for a lot of us, we have a way that we are teaching the Bible that is fundamentally not helping expose the main point of the passage. And so with this, he, I mean, he goes through, it's exegetical fallacies, which are mistakes that we make when studying the Bible. So he's got word study fallacies, grammatical fallacies, logical fallacies, historical fallacies, and presuppositional fallacies. And it will hurt you to read it because you'll think, sometimes the example that he uses, you're like, yes, I did that. I've used, I've used that example for that passage. Thanks, Don. Um, okay, so there's that. 
And then, okay, I've got a couple, uh, you can just look through these. These are all really good, okay? Uh, Systematic theologies, most people will say that the two best systematic theologies are these two right here, um, Wayne Grudem and Millard Erickson. Wayne Grudem, Millard Erickson, super solid. Both of them are really good, and these guys are like super type A individuals. So it's like if you, they will take a topic, and they will break it down into every possible um, step along the way, and then each one of those, they will break into smaller steps, and then he will, they will have verses from Scripture to back up everything they're saying about everything. Oh, okay, you should buy this on Kindle today for $4. Um, And again, this is one of those books that I think, even if you love paper books, that's amazing. It's usually $30 on Kindle. Um, I know that because I paid $30 on Kindle. (laughs) Do they give retroactive discounts? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, One of the reasons, yeah, no, they're not going to do that. Okay, so what's super cool is if you are studying in a passage of the Bible, and, and you have this on an electronic form, you can say, oh man, I'm teaching John 4, whatever, 5 through 10. And you type in John 4, and every time John 4 is mentioned in this book will come up, and it might be relevant to what you're teaching. It's awesome, super helpful. Now, um, and then with this, another guy, Greg Allison, uh, he put together historical theology, which follows the same outline as systematic theology, and it just walks through the way that the church has addressed each one of those uh, topics throughout history. Really cool, really helpful, because you know a lot of times the church in the past has taught bad things in the name of Jesus, and you can help understand those errors by looking at the historical uh, theology. Um, and the other one is if you're a less type A, um, you would like uh, Michael Horton. He's a Presbyterian, and, but the way that he writes is, is really enjoyable. This is a systematic theology that is more enjoyable to read devotionally than something like this. This is something that I guess you could read devotionally, but you'd have to be a super nerd, and I'm not, I'm not to that point yet. So um, these are all super helpful, and again, you guys can fight over these four, um, and if you want to use them, then you can take those. You can't for these because... You can't. These, this one actually belongs to Croc, and these other ones are mine. So, um, okay. Does anybody? So, I, I, let me just reiterate. Like, I'm, I'm, we're so we're thankful that you guys are here, and we want this to be super beneficial. And hopefully, this has been really practical. That you have some good things that you can be like, man, I can go back and I can use those things specifically. And um, and if there's anything else that you want to talk about, you can ask me about it. Are there any questions? Anything that I should have addressed that I didn't? All right. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.